Hello and welcome to the First Hand Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another great episode. Logan's back and we've got some killer content for you guys today. Logan, how are we doing today, man? We're doing well. We're doing well. Folks, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I know today is normally the preview episode and we're still going to preview, but we're going to preview in a different fashion because Logan over here has become somewhat of a master on TikTok and he drummed up some uh, controversy on TikTok. So we're going to dive into a little bit of the stuff that Logan's been ticking the people off with over there on TikTok. And we're going to start with his top 10. He ranked his top 10 in college football this past week. And Logan, I'm going to let you give us that top 10 and then we're going to kind of dissect it a little bit. So what was your top 10 this week? Absolutely. But first, you know, I want to kind of give it a shout out. If you aren't following the TikTok podcast or our podcast on TikTok, it is at the FNF pod. It is the first in football show, by the way, give it a follow. But yeah, I uh, gave my week nine rankings, uh, top 10 teams. I do not base these on schedule. I base these on pure um, ability and talent that I see on each team and each team's ability to win. So yeah, let me get right into it. So at uh, number 10, I put Wake Forest. You know, I had to rep my boys. I think they've shown that, I mean, it's there's a lot of controversy at that 10 spot. There's a lot of guys you can put. Last week I put Utah, but this week I like Wake Forest. Uh, number nine, Oregon, uh, followed by number eight is Oklahoma State. I got Clemson at seven. I'll get into that in a little bit. TCU at six, Alabama at five, Tennessee at four. Then I got Michigan at three, Ohio State at two, and Georgia at one, respectfully. So we got to start with where we've been getting a lot of flack at. And the first part, and you brought it up, is strength of schedule. Everybody wants to harp on strength of schedule, specifically with Ohio State. And we, we touched on this a little bit in our episode earlier this week with Luke, where you know I talked about, look, chill Ohio State's one of the best teams in football by a mile but let's get into that strength of schedule argument just a little bit specifically people are looking at it with Clemson Clemson seems to be the big team that a lot of people argue strength of schedule because Clemson has wins against Wake Forest they have wins against Syracuse you know they don't have a bad you know strength of schedule they're scheduled the wins they're nice but it's like you pointed out it's how they're winning it's how they look when they're winning and it's the circumstances in which they're winning. You know, a lot has gone right for them this year. And I just wonder if you put them on a neutral field with Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, do you think Clemson beats any of those teams I just named? I think there's more teams that you could add that they wouldn't beat, you know. And, and people want to bring it. They beat all these teams like Syracuse and NC State. And got, these teams that are, I mean, they're fairly highly ranked, you know. They're in the high or low teens. And I'll give them that, sure. Um, TCU has the same amount of ranked wins as they do. Um, both have four. But when you watch Clemson, I mean, the ACC is an average conference. And when you, if you rank the Power Five conferences, the ACC is a very average conference. And I, I just don't give it a lot of respect. I know we have our – you have Syracuse and I have Wake Forest that we're kind of rooting for this year and that we're high on. But when I think about it, I think ACC is just that midline – average uh conference and Clemson I mean just as much hype and talent they've been able to recruit there should have just bulldozed that entire conference in my opinion um 
And anytime you have a quarterback controversy in the middle of the season, it just shows that you're not a top four playoff team. You know, you're not that high caliber team like Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, or Alabama. You know, like all these teams have a definite quarterback. They have an offense that works well. Um, some have a really good defense to complement that. And that was the one thing with Clemson this year was maybe the offense isn't going to be as hot, but the defense looks really good. And quite frankly, I don't believe so. I mean, Clemson's offense isn't even in the top – or defense isn't even in the top 50 in FBS right now. Which is absolutely insane because one of the things we heard about that Clemson D-line is Brian Brzee, Xavier Thomas, was supposed to be one of the best D-lines in football. And, you know, obviously Brian Brzee has the off-the-field issues going on with the tragic passing of his sister. He himself had some health issues earlier this year. So, obviously, he has not played in every game for them this year. Definitely going to impact the defense when you're talking about a top 10 potential draft pick this upcoming year, not suiting up for every game. But still, like you brought up the quarterback situation, DJ has looked really bad at times. I know the stats aren't going to show what he's thrown 17 touchdowns to four interceptions. But if you watch the game, you brought up earlier this year, Shipley, the running back, has by far been their most consistent, best piece on that offense. And that's not saying a whole lot because if you put them at him against Travion Henderson or Gibbs at Alabama or even Mayan Williams, Blake Corum, any of those guys that Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama are running out, I don't know that Shipley even remotely compares to them. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up with your top 10, and this is something I touched on a little bit in our Monday episode, and I wanted to dive in a little deeper to it, is, is Georgia really worthy of the number one spot? I talked a little bit about you can't bump Georgia down because they're undefeated defending national champion. You got to give them that respect until they lose. But I do think Ohio State is playing at such a high level right now offensively, and the defense has come along so nicely. You have this passing attack that has Agmeka Abuka, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Cade Stover at the tight end position has been a very nice complimentary piece for the offense. And then it's bolstered by a top 15 rushing attack in the country. So the Ohio State offense is just nearly unstoppable. The defense is playing much better football led by Tommy Eichenberg from his linebacker position. And then I look at Tennessee and really, in my opinion, if I would switch anything with this top 10, I might move Georgia to three and put Tennessee at one or two. And that's strictly out of respect for what Tennessee's done. They've beaten Pitt this year. They've beaten Florida this year. They beat Alabama and they went toe to toe with Alabama's offense and came out looking more dynamic Hyatt the wide receiver had an amazing game we know about it but their quarterback Hendon Hooker has looked amazing this year Tennessee's offense doesn't look stoppable either and the defense well yeah I don't know that it's on Ohio State level it's still darn good would you think at all about putting Tennessee ahead of Georgia I do want to correct myself uh first off though Clemson is in the top 50 they're 27th in defense I was looking at the wrong sheet just want to get the facts straight um, cause I know that's a hot topic for some people. I was going to say, if you, uh, <laughs> if you misrepresent um, Clemson, I'm pretty good. sure the TikTok nation is going to come for us because for some reason, TikTok loves Clemson. Yeah. There's a lot more than I thought, but, um, I, I, I have an issue putting Tennessee above Georgia and simply it's just on the defensive side of the ball. Tennessee is not there. Now, their offense is amazing. I would put it up as the same kind of high-caliber offense as Ohio State. Um, just the things they've been able to do on that offense is amazing. 
But, I mean, defense-wise, I mean, Tennessee is out of the top 100, and I know this one is true this time. Yeah, they have the 103rd best defense right now. Um, they give up about five yards of play, and anytime you – I mean, if you play a team like Georgia, which they're going to in a few weeks, and you're giving up five yards of play, Georgia's going to take that and run away with it, man. And you're going to have to win in a shootout fashion. And against that Georgia Bulldog defense, who can definitely stop Tennessee, I think, a few times throughout that game, I don't, I don't see you, I don't see Tennessee being better than Georgia. So the other one that I wanted to address is, you know, Oregon. Oregon, people are really down on Oregon because of how bad they look to start the year against Georgia. And we've addressed a couple times that you're never going to have an undefeated Pac-12 team with the current state of the Pac-12 and the fact that they just always beat up on each other. But the one thing I will say with Oregon is they got the Auburn transfer Bo Nix at quarterback. They've looked a lot better lately. And you have to give them the respect that they deserve after a very impressive win against UCLA. You know, it's really tough when you get down below eight. Once you get past eight, a lot of teams are deserving of being in that conversation. You know, I I don't have a problem putting Oregon up there. I would say that, you know, Michigan is one team that I'm putting high right now, but if they don't get a more established passing attack, I'm a little worried about them because eventually teams are going to be able to stack the box. And let's say Michigan is in a position to play in the college football playoff. You're going to go against run defenses like Georgia. You're going to go against a run defense like potentially Alabama. And can you run the football for 400 yards against Georgia or Alabama? Probably not. You're going to need J.J. McCarthy to be able to throw the football, and we've seen this year that that passing attack is non-existent for Michigan. But there was another TikTok you made that uh, drummed up some uh, controversy, drummed up some debate, and it was something that we wanted to talk about on the show, and that is what if the Olympics added American football? What if the Olympic Games added American football as one of the sports they played? You know, we've proven on this show that there's actually a lot of professional American football throughout the world. We've got the X League in Japan. We've, you know, showcased the ELF on this show, the Maple League, several other leagues throughout the world. And a lot of these countries have national teams as well. Now, I will tell you, we all know America does have a national team, but it's made up of a lot of amateur players. In this scenario, we're saying that the Olympics adds American football as a sport and our best football players are playing. So Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. You know, Joe Burrow is his backup. Whatever scenario you can envision is similar to basketball. So the question we have is if the Olympics adds American football, who is Team USA's head coach? And here is the criteria here. Do you think of it in the sense of soccer, where Craig Berhalter is the current men's national coach, And that is his full-time job. He left the Columbus crew to do that. Or do you think of it in terms of basketball, where at one point it was Mike Krzyzewski who did it during the offseason, but was still the head coach at Duke, or Greg Popovich, who is still the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, but in the offseason coaches Team USA. So let's start there. Is this a full-time job being the head coach of Team USA, or is it a part-time job similar to what basketball does? I'd say it's a part-time, you know, it's, um, if you have something like this, I think, and the Olympics adopt it, it won't be like soccer where, I mean, soccer plays friendly matches year round and that is a full-time job. So you have to have a coach who's dedicated year round to do that football. You couldn't do that. You have NFL that goes for so long. 
college football is even in the off season is full of recruiting. There's no way you could get a coach to dedicate. I mean, you could get a coach, but you couldn't get one of the best coaches to do that. And if it's for the Olympics, yeah, it means every four years. So I'm, I'm saying this is a part-time gig like basketball. So let's start with what the rules would be for folks who don't know the IFAF, who is the governing body for international American football throughout the world. They use NCAA rules for their games. So in this scenario, we're going to be using NCAA rules at the Olympics. With that being said, who would your head coach be, Logan, if you could pick a head coach for Team USA? I'm going to go one that hasn't been said, but I, I like it. It's uh, I'm going to go Lincoln Riley. Let me tell you why I like Lincoln Riley. I like Lincoln Riley. He's a young guy. He can connect to this team well. And the guy's just proven he can build. I mean, he'll have all the talent in the world, but his offensive mind is just top tier to none. I mean, like, he's absolutely able to go out there and create the best team possible. I mean, look at USC right now. They probably have um, one of the most electric offenses in college football this year, you know, and that's thankful to having a lot of transfers. But even his first year out, I mean, he has one of the top 25 offenses in the country. Um, and I think he could pull a team around him uh, that would play for him well. And I think he's a good player coach. Um, so I like Lincoln Riley in that aspect. And he's younger, you know, some people, a lot of Nick Sabans, a lot of Bill Belichick's. I, I don't see Bill Belichick being the guy. Um, I just don't see him being personable, you know. You know, and, when you, you, you hit on Bill Belichick, and I, I wanted to rule him out right away. Belichick's not fun to play for. And when you think of the Olympics, it's an honor. It's a privilege. You want someone who you're going to enjoy playing under for that short period of time. Belichick's not the guy. Plus, Saban and Belichick are too old. You bring up Lincoln Riley. That's a name nobody brought up. I saw someone float not Jimbo Fisher in there. Thank you for ruling Jimbo out for us. I don't think we needed the help, but I really liked that one. Um, I like your Lincoln Riley, though, because he's a great recruiter. He brought in Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Travis Dye, the running back from Oregon. He got all those guys to come with him to USC when he took the job. I really like it. In this scenario, he's got to bring a defensive coach, though, with him, right? So or is he going to bring along a head coach who's just defensive-minded to be his D coordinator? Or do you have a D coordinator in mind? Because, I mean, one thing we've seen with Lincoln Riley is in his tenure as Oklahoma's head coach, and so far in his tenure at USC, head, you know, defense is not exactly their strong suit. Alex Grinch has been his defensive coordinator the last couple of years, and those defenses have looked bad. So do you have a defensive coach in mind you'd pair with Lincoln Riley? Or you're just, you know, assuming he'd be able to recruit the best defensive talent to come with him? I think both. He would be able to recruit the best defensive talent to come with him. Um, I, that's a hard question because if you have a college football head coach, and, I mean, NFL play and college football play, I think, are two different kind of play. You know, it's a different style in the NFL compared to college football. It's a lot more, um, I think, a lot, obviously a lot more complicated in NFL. I mean, it's crazy. I couldn't even begin to get into it I, I don't even have the knowledge to get into how um nfl coaches coach but i know that there's a difference between the two and if you're going to have a college football coach with the college football mindset i think you got to stay with a college football dc um i don't really have one in mind i'm trying to think right now on the spot um i got a couple i could throw at you i mean i, I you could say somebody like i mean jim Knowles would be a, a an awesome a, a, at least 
in contention to be the guy. You know, he's proven that he's a really good defensive mindset, has turned a really shaky Ohio State defense into one of the best defenses in college football this year. Um, he's somebody I would throw his name in the hat, but I don't have a certain DC. They, he would definitely need somebody defensive minded, that's for sure, though. I would say Jim Knowles would be interesting because, you know, while Lincoln Riley was the head coach at Oklahoma, Jim Knowles was the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. So there's a lot of familiarity between the two of them. A guy like Jim Leonard, who's the current interim head coach at Wisconsin, who's been the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin for a long time, former NFL player, widely regarded as one of the best defensive minds. I also think you could look at a couple head coaches who are former DCs and Marcus Freeman, the head coach at Notre Dame. I know his head coaching tenure at Notre Dame has not looked beautiful, but at one point that man was widely regarded as the best defensive coordinator in the country. Another guy uh, would be Dave Aranda at Baylor. I love Dave Aranda. The things he did at Wisconsin and LSU, really, really good. So wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Lincoln Riley in this hypothetical went with either of those guys. What do you think about Phil Parker out of Ooh. Iowa? I mean, you, you talk about a really good def defense. I mean, Iowa has – I mean, let's forget about the Ohio State game, but well known for their defensive skills. Um, I, I like Phil Parker. He'd definitely they, be somebody I'd be interested in. They'd be the most disciplined defense. I tell you, when <laughs> I was looking at mine, who I would make the head coach, I picked a couple NFL guys as potentials. I, I, I couldn't whittle it down to just one name. I wanted to start with Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I also, like you, thought, you know, younger head coach was going to be needed for this role because I don't think one of these older, later-in-career established head coaches are going to want to take on this responsibility. The only way I could see Belichick being willing to do it is because Belichick has ties to the Naval Academy, so he's got a proud, you know, coaching history of just being proud to be an American. His dad was at the Naval Academy for years, so that would maybe be the only way I could see Belichick being interested, but still, I doubt it. You know, I mean, you talk about age, though. I mean, like, what wasn't Coach K like the the coach for uh, USA? I mean, you talk about older, right? Yeah, and you're right. The reason I bring up Belichick's tie to the Naval Academy being a reason that he may be interested is because Coach K got his coaching career started at Army, which was a big reason why he was interested in coaching Team USA. So that's why I bring that up. I look though with Kyle Shanahan, and he's one of the most innovative minds in football when it comes to the offensive side of the ball his dad of course is the illustrious Mike Shanahan who had a great amount of success with Washington and Denver in the NFL and I say Kyle Shanahan too because I don't think Kyle Shanahan has to go very far to find a defensive coordinator he could pick either one he could pick D'Amico Ryans who is his current defensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers the former Houston Texan linebacker or he could pick the current head coach of the New York Jets his former defensive coordinator and Robert Sala, either one of those guys would be amazing. Could you imagine Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan coaching team USA? It would be a blast. I, I could definitely get down with that. I also think a guy like Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Miami dolphins, young, energetic off to a really great start. And you can tell he's a player's coach could be another one that a lot of people have interest in. I don't think Ryan day is the guy because I just, there's something about Ryan Day that keeps me from putting him in that elite tier with these other coaches. And it's odd because Ryan Day has had more success than Lincoln Riley, but I still am more hesitant to give Ryan Day the job than I am Lincoln Riley. I don't know if it's 
Ryan Day's – at times I just feel his play calling is not up to that elite standard. And I think maybe that's what keeps me from giving him the nod. But I think if you made me pick one coach, I'm going with Kyle Shanahan. What would you think about having Kyle Shanahan be Team USA's head coach? No, I, I like it. Um, it would definitely be somebody I would I would accept as the head coach. And you say that about Ryan Day, and I had the same kind of thought. I had a lot of issues thinking Ryan Day being the coach. And I just think back to that Notre Dame game in that first half, you know, and just not able to really establish an offensive play call, you know, and not be able to get a rhythm down for his players. And truly, if you want to think about it, I, I really don't know Ryan Day's quality of the head coach. I know he's a good head coach, but, like, is, I feel like he's always had the talent at Ohio State, even if he makes a poor decision that he's going to get bailed out by his players. And that's just, I think that's just what kind of keeps me from saying Ryan Day. Um, maybe he's just not established enough for me. I don't know. Ryan Day is one of the better quarterback coaches in all of college football, I would say. The what he gets out of his quarterbacks while they're at the college level is truly impressive. Where I feel, and this is I agree with you on this in a big part, Ryan Day benefits from having great recruiters around him. He's got guys on the offensive side of the ball like Kevin Wilson, the former Indiana head coach, Brian Hartline, his current wide receivers coach. They're great recruiters. Larry Johnson, the defensive line coach, helps get him some of the most elite high school pass rushers to come to Columbus every year. Ryan Day gets bailed out by his assistant coach's ability to recruit. I just, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not going to buy into Ryan Day being the head coach. So let's put Kyle Shanahan up against Lincoln Riley. If we have to pick one, who are you picking? I'm sticking with Lincoln Riley, though, but uh, I think Shanahan would be a good D.C., you know? It, it would be interesting. I let's, let's give it to Lincoln Riley here. Let's give it to Lincoln Riley, mainly because I, I think Lincoln Riley is young. He's energetic. He's fun. And he's proven to be one of the best recruiters in all of college football. So I, I say let's give it to Lincoln Riley. I wanted to do another fun activity with you guys. We're going to play a game of Would You Rather Quarterback Edition. I've got some quarterback stats I'm going to throw at Logan. I'm not going to tell him the names of the quarterbacks these stats are for, but he's got to tell me which quarterback he would rather have. And then once he's picked the quarterback, I'll tell him which one he selected. So the first one, he's thrown 185 passes this year. Out of those 185 passes, he's completed 119. He's thrown for 1,456 yards nine touchdowns and four interceptions. Would you rather have quarterback A with those stats or quarterback B who's thrown 225 passes, completed 160 of them for 1,576 yards, six touchdowns and eight interceptions. Quarterback A or B? She hikes. Um, Quarterback A sounds like they run the ball a little bit more than quarterback B, either them themselves or their running game. Um, what was the yardage again? Quarterback A has 1,456 passing yards. Quarterback B has 1,576 passing yards. I'm going to go with quarterback A because they have almost the same amount of yards as quarterback B with a lot less attempts. So it sounds like they're efficient and can make big plays. You picked Jimmy Garoppolo over Matthew Stafford. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. I, I agree 100%. I think Matthew Stafford uh father time maybe caught up with him and that O-line's terrible. So what what why are you okay with taking Jimmy G over Matthew Stafford? Matthew Stafford he just hasn't performed this year, you know, and he won the Super Bowl and it's like he maybe he should have just went out on top, you know. Um 
it's just it's been a struggle for him. And yeah, his offensive line has been really rough for him this year, but I, I don't know. I just like Jimmy G. I've always been high on uh, Garoppolo just because his ability to be a consistent quarterback normally and just be able to win. You know, he, he's really good at winning. He's not going to put up MVP stats or anything, um, obviously, with that, with those stats, but um, he's able just to get the job done. Now, I will tell you, in this scenario, I'm not giving you the quarterback's rushing numbers. So when you get quarterbacks, you don't know their rushing numbers. I'm only going to give you their passing numbers. And some of these guys, you're going to wish you had their rushing numbers. Okay, that's fine. So this next scenario, this quarterback has attempted 281 passes this year. Out of those 281 passes, he's completed 184 for 1,667 passing yards. He's thrown seven touchdowns to four interceptions. So that's quarterback A. You got those numbers? We yeah, got, give, me, give me the completion to attempts again. Yeah, so quarterback A's completions to attempts, he has attempted 281 passes and completed 184 of them. Okay. So that's quarterback A. Quarterback B has attempted 184 passes, completing 123 of those passes for 1,514 yards, six touchdowns to two interceptions. Hmm. I think I'm going to go with quarterback B. Sounds like we have a little bit slightly better decision-making with that interception, the touchdown to interception ratio, keeping it low. I I would have picked this even if I knew who they were right away. You picked Jalen Hurts over Kyler Murray. Oh, absolutely. Every day, all day long. What yep. gives you the confidence to say that? Man, Murray's just look – I mean, every time I, – I don't watch a lot of Cardinals football, okay? So, every time I watch them, it, it's just a struggle to watch Kyler Murray play. It, it kind of hurts to watch because it's so painful to see him just struggle and – Honestly, I see the punter out there making better plays than Kyler Murray because they're always punting every time I watch them. And it, I don't know. He's just had a rough year. And I don't – DeAndre Hopkins is back for him. And, I mean, that might make it a little bit better, but I don't think it's going to change the fact that they're probably definitely not going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, and Jalen Hurts, you know, just a young guy um, as well, but proven he's able to win. Oh, I agree 100%. Jalen Hurts, to me, has done a great job managing the game this year, not trying to do too much with the football. You know, he's made a couple mistakes this year. He hasn't been perfect. But overall, he's played really good football, and he's led his team so far to a undefeated season. And Kyler Murray, really ever since that divisional round loss that they lost to the Rams last year, and he just looked abysmal, he has not looked the same. Um, I, I really like your choice there. I want to throw this one at you. You ready for it? Okay. Quarterback A has attempted 215 passes this year. Out of those 215, he's completed 158 of them for 1,712 passing yards. He's thrown 11 touchdowns to three interceptions. That's quarterback A. It's pretty good. Quarterback B has attempted 244 passes this year. Out of those 244, he's completed 163 for 1,597 passing yards, 11 touchdowns to three interceptions. Quarterback A. Why are you taking quarterback A? Um, I mean, you get the same TD uh, interception ratio, you know. Um, 
he's just done a lot more with the fewer passing attempts he's gotten. Um, it really boiled down to that, you know, doesn't have as many. And it sounds like quarterback B's pass uh, completion is a little bit lower. So you picked Geno Smith over Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, let's just say which team is performing better right now, you know? I, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I think Aaron Rodgers, I heard someone say it today. Aaron Rodgers has looked more like check down Charlie this year. He's not really throwing the football deep and he's not really taking any shots. Uh, and Geno Smith has looked amazing. Now, I understand long-term, maybe the rest of the year, Aaron Rodgers figures it out and Geno Smith goes back to being more of the Geno Smith of old, but I don't have a problem with this pick either. You know, Logan, what do you say? You got one more, one more quarterback in you? Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I think I've been pretty good recently or on all these. All right. So quarterback A has attempted 212 passes. Out of those 212 passes, he's completed 132 for 1,583 passing yards, 11 touchdowns to six interceptions. So right off the bat, the first thing I am noticing is not the world's greatest completion percentage. Yeah, that's a uh, ouch. Quarterback B has attempted 198 passing attempts. Out of those, he has completed 116 for 1,442 passing yards, five touchdowns to three interceptions. So one's throwing for a lot more touchdowns than the other. I feel like one of these is Justin Fields or something. I will um, tell you it's not Justin Fields. I Okay. I, I was waiting for you to throw him in there, or him or Daniel Jones, um, which um, – Shoot. What was the completion of uh, the second one? So I will, I'll, I'll give you both their stats again. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. So quarterback a complete completed 132 passes and attempted 212 through for 1,583 passing yards, 11 touchdowns to six interceptions. That's quarterback. a. Okay. Yeah. Quarterback B completed 116 passes while attempting 198. 1,442 passing yards, five touchdowns to three interceptions. Don't repeat it. Just how many interceptions for the first one again? Sorry. Six. All right, I'm going with quarterback B. Why are you taking B? Well, 106 completions or 116, whatever you said, and they have that many yards. Um, it, it sounds a little bit better than quarterback A. Quarterback A sounds detort, uh, horrible and um, – Sounds pretty rough. I, I, that's just the best I got for that explanation. Quarterback A is atrocious. Quarterback A was Jared Goff. Um, so you picked Russell Wilson over Jared Goff. I mean, that's pretty – yeah, I mean, I'm not upset about that. I think what it shows, what this, you know, activity shows, and what I, the, the reason we wanted to do it was to show how much parody and how crazy this NFL season has been. I mean – Going into the year, nobody would have said that you're going to pick Geno Smith over Aaron Rodgers or that it would even be debatable Russell Wilson versus Jared Goff. But, I mean, you really do have to give it some thought right now with how Aaron Rodgers has played, with how Russell Wilson has played. Would you rather have Jared Goff or Geno Smith? So that was the whole purpose behind that. I mean, definitely a fun activity. I Logan, I don't disagree with any of your picks. I definitely would give a lot of thought to Jared Goff over Russell Wilson right now. 
Um, but I think I would still lean Russell Wilson just because Jared Goff tends to make more boneheaded mistakes when it matters most. So I, I don't disagree with you on those. Um, just definitely, it's crazy to think that we're, you know, this far into an NFL season and you and I are both going to take Gino over Aaron Rodgers. I mean, did, did you think coming into the year that you would think that? I'm not going to lie. I didn't think Geno Smith would still be the starter at this point. I thought we'd see like your locker, you know, the water boy or someone else come out <laughs> at quarterback at this point. So I wanted to finish up the episode just by hitting you guys with some of the big games this weekend in college football. Cause there's a few really big games, you know, everybody's hated on us for, you know, being so, you know, loud supporters of Ohio state being the number one, number two team in the country. We're going to find out how good they are because at 12 this Saturday, they play Penn State on the road. Penn State coming off a thrashing of Minnesota in their wideout. But then the week prior, Penn State got absolutely annihilated by Michigan in that running game. Ohio State is 15 and a half point favorites. I'm a little nervous about that because, you know, going to Penn State is never an easy game. I, however, don't trust Penn State's quarterback, Sean Clifford. You know, so I'm going to give the nod to Ohio State. I think Ohio State maybe wins late. But do you think Penn State could give Ohio State any troubles this weekend? I don't know if Sean Clifford has it in him, you know. I, if the defense plays the same way they've been playing, shut down, you know, I I don't see Penn State producing a lot, you know. And I, I think Ohio State can shut them down just about the same as Michigan did. Um, and I'm not the biggest Sean Clifford fan either. But, I mean, he's a consistent guy who's able to perform when need be. Um, the real question is how is C.J. Stroud going to do under pressure in a big away game um, is my biggest question right now. Because um, he's definitely at times where he looks like a deer in the headlights. You know, in the last away game was that Michigan State game where he threw that early pick six. So, you know, if he makes mistakes like that on a more hostile environment, because let's be honest, the atmosphere at Michigan state is nowhere near the atmosphere at Penn state. So definitely something to keep an eye on. The sec has got a big game this weekend too. Kentucky number 19 in the country sitting at five and two rivalry game, seven o'clock on ESPN playing Tennessee. This is another good test for Tennessee. You know, Kentucky is not who we thought they were a couple weeks ago, but they still have a decent running attack with Chris Rodriguez, Jr. Will Levis, some accounts, people think Will Levis is a first round pick at quarterback. So we'll see about that. We'll see. Hendon Hooker has only thrown one interception this year. You know, you talk about Heisman candidates. Hendon Hooker has to be at the top of almost everyone's list until Tennessee loses. The man's got 2,093 passing yards, 18 touchdowns to one interception. Is Tennessee going to roll against Kentucky, or does Kentucky give Tennessee a tough game? The spread's currently Tennessee as 12-and-a-half-point favorites. I, I like Tennessee in this one. Um, you know, UK, I think, is – a pretty good team you know they're uh, a little bit above average in the sec and i think that total finish is a little bit above average um outside of this tennessee game they're in the georgia game they're pretty much probably going to win out um so I, I like tennessee and they're really hot right now and i don't see you see uk's offense you know as bad as much as i've really um discredited Tennessee's defense. I don't see Kentucky being able to put up the points to keep up with Tennessee. So I like Tennessee in this one. Michigan gets Michigan state at home, seven 30 on ABC. You know, this game should be a massive win for Michigan. 
But let's keep in mind, Michigan State has been able to take it to Michigan of late. It doesn't matter what the records are. This is a rivalry game that Michigan State always plays up for. I'm really impressed impressed by Blake Corum's numbers. I knew he was elite, but the guy's got 146 carries for 901 yards and 13 touchdowns through seven games this year. Absolutely crazy. You know, Michigan State's quarterback, Peyton Thorne, he's got 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He's not taking very good care of the football at all. I do think Michigan wins this one, but just keep your eyes on it with it being a rivalry game. Michigan State could surprise you there. Illinois, they get a, you know, hopefully a cream puff game against Nebraska to help keep their stranglehold on the Big Ten West. You were talking about Illinois a little bit before we started recording, and you were saying you really think Illinois is winning that Big Ten West. Why are you so impressed with them this year? I mean, you break down Illinois as a whole team, you know. I mean, they're just – they're a different team than we're used to seeing um, by far. Um, they're able to run the ball real well, and that's what's been really impressive is the run game. I mean, the running back – has over a thousand yards rushing with four touchdowns with 192 carries. And not only that, they have the number one ranked defense right now, um, sitting at this week, um, over Ohio state, over Georgia, over Michigan, Iowa. So if you want to talk about having the best defense in the country, I don't think Nebraska is the team that have the offense to beat them. You know, when Illinois quarterback, Tommy DeVito takes care of the football, 10 touchdowns to two interceptions, and you brought up the running game for Illinois. Chase Brown, the junior out of London, Ohio, he's got 1,059 rushing yards and four touchdowns. He's averaging five and a half yards per carry, leading the country in rushing. Very impressive this year. Georgia, the number one team in the country, 330 on CBS. They get the Florida Gators at home. Anthony Richardson in this Florida offense has been disappointing this year, man. I really thought Billy Napier – would have these guys playing at a more competitive clip. You know, Richardson's thrown six touchdowns to seven interceptions. I expect Georgia to actually blow Florida out here. Do you think Florida's got any chance to hang with Georgia? No, I don't see it at all. You know, it's a very kind of blah uh, Florida team. You know, I mean, Richardson's thrown six touchdowns to seven interceptions. Um, Definitely not. He did not live up to the hype that he had for the season. I thought um, he's just looked horrible. Um, and the run game's not going to win it for him either. So I, I like Georgia by a landslide in this one. Syracuse 6-1, number 16 team in the country. Notre Dame traveling to Syracuse. This one's a little tough for me. You know, I've, I've been riding Syracuse, you know, saying how great they have been this year. But at times I worry about their quarterback play with Garrett Schrader. I know he's got 13 touchdowns, only four interceptions. But the, it's the four interceptions that I worry about because the interceptions he does throw – are critical, they're big mistakes. And the one thing Notre Dame has is an amazing tight end in Michael Mayer. That guy's going to be an NFL tight end for years. He's got 44 catches, 526 yards, and six touchdowns. Watch out for this game as a game where Notre Dame maybe figures some things out and pulls off a big upset against Syracuse. Looking at some of these NFL games, there's not as many. You know, the Thursday night game, obviously we'll be posting this episode after the Thursday night game has finished. But that's Ravens Buccaneers. If the Bucs dropped a three and five and they look bad against the Ravens, I think you're going to hear a lot of rumors of is this Tom Brady's final year? The New England Patriots play the New York Jets at one o'clock. The Patriots are two and a half point favorites in this game, which is just absolutely disrespectful to the five and two Jets, in my opinion. 
But the reason I bring that game up is because the Patriots announced today that they're starting Mac Jones in that game. I, I don't understand why you bench Mac Jones in that game, bring Bailey Zappi in, and then say, hey, by the way, we're starting Mac again next week. Uh, that one makes zero sense to me. Sam Ellinger is going to get his first career start against the Washington Commanders as the Colts take on the Commanders in that game. Look at Daniel Jones, though. I told you Daniel Jones was going to lose this week. They play the Seahawks on the road, 425 on Fox. You think Daniel Jones gets the Giants to 7-1? It's going to be a rough one. I, I don't know. I can see it both ways. I've been contemplating all week. I'm like, man, the Giants are playing too good. You know, they're, they're just due for that one loss. And I, I think it's going to be a tough one, but I, I think Daniel Jones could scrap it together, you know? I tell you, Daniel Jones' rushing ability, to me, keeps the Giants competitive in just about any game because having that two-headed running attack of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley right now is insane. A game I didn't think I'd be that excited for, but now I'm kind of interested in, is this Bears-Cowboys game. You know, the Bears are sitting at three and four now. Justin Fields really looked like he figured some things out in that Monday night game against the Patriots. And that defense, that defense that was coming off an impressive showing on Thursday night football against the Commanders, carried in another impressive you know, performance against the Patriots on Monday night football. They got interceptions from rookies Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon. You know, I this Bears defense could give Dak Prescott trouble and what will be only his second start back from injury. I still think the Cowboys win this game mainly because of the pass rush. The Bears offensive line, they still don't have it figured out. Starting center Lucas Patrick went out with an injury against the Patriots, and the Bears tackle position is just a revolving door. When you get a pass rush like Micah Parsons, like Demarcus Lawrence, and now, you know, the Cowboys went and made a trade with the Las Vegas Raiders. They traded a sixth-round pick to the Raiders for defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins, the former Ohio State Buckeye, plus a seventh-round pick the year the you know next season so you add Jonathan Hankins to a run defense and if you look at this Cowboys defense it had a great pass rush a solid secondary where it needed help was in the middle in the run defense huge upgrade for them really like what the Cowboys did there looking at the Sunday night football game Packers Bills is this where we see the beginning of the end for the Packers or are they going to pull off an upset here and beat the Bills Nah, Bills all the way. Um, I don't see the Packers. I don't see the Packers making this their a triumph game where they're turning the tide, you know. And um, definitely not in Buffalo. Although eleven and a half point favorites, that's crazy. The only other team game that has eleven and a half point favorites or even close to that is the Steelers and Eagles game, which I think is a complete polar opposite in talent on that game. But wow, that, that's a huge spread. Watch out for that Steelers and Eagles game, man. Watch out for that. TJ Watt returned to practice this week. Not saying he's going to play, but just I I always pump the brakes on giving the Eagles 11 points. I know they're undefeated, but they just there's something about them I'm not bought into yet. Let's finish up with that Monday night football game. Four and three Bengals at the two and five Browns. I told you guys at the beginning of the year, I thought the Browns would be able to, you know, steady the waters and be playoff in playoff position, be, you know, six and five when Deshaun Watson returned. Well, they got to win out in order to be six and five when Deshaun Watson returns. And I'm not as confident because Joe Burrow in that offense looked electric against Atlanta. And the one thing that I saw a stat, the Bengals defense has not allowed a second half touchdown all season. This is only the second time this has been done since the 1950s. The first Super Bowl wasn't played 
until the 1960s. The Bengals are doing something we have not seen in the modern NFL, and that is playing elite second-half defense. I This is going to get ugly for, for the Browns. I could see this being the game where Josh Dobbs sees some time at quarterback. I think Jacoby Brissett could get pulled. I expect the Bengals to win by a lot. Do you, you see the Browns making this competitive at all? I, I got to tell you, um, I might be heading for the Indiana border to put a hefty bet on Cincinnati on this one. I like it. Um, even though the Browns are home, not going to be enough to change the tide of this one. Um, like you said, I mean, the offense is really starting to click. You know, it started out slow, I thought, um, for them. Um, but, yeah, that defense, man, is, they're going to hold them to, I mean, minimal points. I have to agree with you on that one. Folks, that's all we got for you guys this time, though. Like we always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.